Aren't we live? Man, I think I think Olivia, we have successfully <laughs> on time in the right group on the right broadcast. We we we've got it figured out. So if I anybody see. out there wants to know how to use the software Be Live TV and do a Facebook Live, yep. Olivia and I've got it down. That's right. We are. We'll host some tutorials on the potential snags you may encounter when trying to use Be Live. <laughs> right. We've been through all of them. I think <laughs> their their support was great. I talked to this wonderful lady named Julie here before we got started, and. And she made sure everything was smooth. I changed some things on Facebook, and I think we're in good shape. So, anyway, awesome. well, we got to pay attention to this this gentleman here in the bottom of the screen, who is uh, <laughs> he's hiding. Who is someone that is? I think I hope. Sorry. I mean, I think most of our community probably knows Brent Kelly to some extent. Um, Brent, what's going on today? Well, first of all, I'm glad I could help you guys get through the technology. I walked you step by step. That's, and, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, we need I, that help. No, I, I, I didn't, uh, obviously. But no, things are good. Thanks for allowing me to be part of your chat. Um, it's been it's been good. I actually got to see you, Landon, just a couple of weeks ago, live and in person. And We were in, in the flesh, real life, uh, having dinner together. We were in the, um, Greensboro, weren't we? We were in Greensboro. So Winston-Salem, Winston-Salem. Winston yeah, I can't remember either, but yes. yes. <laughs> My state, I don't even know where I was. Some, it's your state. I was just visiting, so you should know where right. I was. Thank you. <laughs> Honestly, Greensboro, Winston-Salem is all an area called the Triad. And and if you're not, if you're from there, and there's some people out there probably watching that are going to hit me up later and say, how could you get that wrong? But honestly, it's all just one same with Raleigh, Durham, and all the that. The triangle, stuff. right? The triad. I remember exactly. you guys are like big into like threes out there or something. It, I don't know. it sounds very gangster, though. The triad? The triad, yep. The triangle, yeah. yep. South Carolina. And then, uh, its I'm in the Sand Hills. We all have this thing. In North Carolina, by the way, especially where I'm part of, uh, from, um, the, uh, the people down here are from a county. So if you say, where are you from? They're going to say, I'm from... Hope County. I'm from Robinson County. It's not the city. It's mm. the county. It's very strange. It's a new thing for me. Uh -huh. I'm still working through it. So last week, you and Tracy are how far apart, like distance wise? Uh, so Tracy Cotton is in uh, the um, is in the Hendersonville area. So that's probably four hours from me. Yeah. So geographically, Brent and I are actually closer. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. We're probably just. Two and a half hours from each other, I would bet. Yeah, that's about right. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're true Midwesterners. Yeah, yeah. Which means right we, have, we have warm hearts for others, and uh, we say funny things. So outside of that, I don't know what else, but we are close. Warm hearts and cold hands. At least that's oh, so good. So well that is great. Well, listen, uh, I think we should like officially get this started. I gave us a little bit of time here to... To get things going, what I'm going to do this week, we teased it last week with Tracy, but what I'd like to do is anybody that's out there watching, um, I'd love to get you all to jump in here and uh, and spend a few minutes with us. I'm not going to keep you in here for long. Uh, maybe, you know, just a couple of minutes, ask your popcorn question to Brent and we're going to kick you out. But, um, but I really want to involve um, some other folks. So I'm going to go ahead and get in here and post it uh, in the, on the stream. And uh -oh. last week with Tracy, but what Hang on. Let me get in the right spot. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Well, I didn't I didn't train you in this area, so that's okay. <laughs> this is a this is a new thing. 
We didn't test it uh, out. But anyway, there we go. I just dropped the link there it is. in the Facebook chat. So we should be able to, to get rolling. So, so Brent, you're with the Sitkins group. Uh, I know most of our, our folks know, um, know you and know what you do and stuff like that. But, but if you were to break down for us, um, if you were to break down for us, the top three things that you do on a daily basis, what would those top three things be? Ooh, good question. I can answer this one because I have it in my kind of daily thing overall of how I want to okay. track myself. So uh, three main things I do. I would say I, uh, I prepare and deliver content mm -hmm. to uh, agencies primarily and producers in some cases in different groups. So that's a big part of my week. Um, I connect with people just like this. This would be a connection, right? So I'll be doing interviews and, and different things, podcasts and all that. Um, and then I coach. So uh, that's the biggest part. I, I coach agencies across the country. We have a private client network. Um, we work very closely with agencies and just holistically. Uh, I spend a lot of time on sales leadership and you know sales in general, but it really all comes together with conjunction with the, the high performance teams and all that. So it would be it would be content connections, uh, relationship building, and coaching. And coaching. And what do you do? You have like um, just so we know. I know a large part of what you do. I mean, obviously those three, but the coaching aspect of it. I mean, do you all do you all have you you coached agencies of all sizes and shapes, or what's you know? Do you have a specific market that you focus on there? That's a Good question. So um, our group, it, it ranges. So I'll answer two ways. We have uh, we do a producer camp, which is probably our most popular thing. And we've got a, a producer program uh, and that program. We have agencies and producers that come from all all shapes and sizes. So uh, they come to you. Yes. Yeah, so our producer camp uh, typically is held in Florida. We, we're going to move it around this year a little bit, maybe have one in Chicago, uh, maybe one on the West Coast just to make it easier for people. Um, there are two live sessions and two online sessions. So there are four sessions total of, of part of our camp. It goes about four or five months as a stretch um, that we work with with producers. So that is kind of all over the map. Um, our private client groups and we coach agencies Right now, our agency, and we, we look at everything in revenue, not premium. So um, okay. and you hear me talk about it. And one of the things that uh, we often share is that we always say companies eat premium, agencies eat commission and revenue. Yep. And so yeah, there, yeah. there's a distinction there. And I think I do see this, and this isn't a pick on uh, smaller agencies, but oftentimes I'll have people go, oh, we're a $3 million shop. I'm like, okay, well, revenue or premium or $10 million, revenue or premium. Right. Um, and everybody's in a different stage of life. So it's not a judgment. It's just so I know where you're at. Um, yep. But we work with uh, with agencies that range right now directly between about $1.5 in revenue. And we've got several agencies now that are right around $30 million in revenue. Wow. So um, it is. It ranges, so it's all over the map. But I would say primarily, I would just in general, uh, our agencies probably have five at least producers, outside producers, okay. um, and, and, and at least a, a leader and a sales manager. That's typically who we work best with. And do you work? I mean, do you do you, as far as the producers are concerned? Are they primarily commercial lines producers, personal lines producers, a mix of all of it? I mean, do you you know, do you focus on coaching? I feel like, you know, and we've talked about this in previous lives with people on here, you know, I feel like they're in the, especially in the coaching world, there's a, there's a huge emphasis on, you know, raising your standard, becoming a producer, becoming a high achieving producer. And oftentimes that is larger commercial accounts. And I think, you know, a large majority of the agency, if you just looked at the whole agency force um, that is independent, they may, they may be a bunch of us that are still working in the, 
you know, let me hit a bunch of singles versus a few, you know, triples and home runs throughout my week. So talk a little bit about that. I mean, is there, is there a focus there that's different for you all? Yeah, I would say this. So our, um, the, the agencies and producers we work with, we have them all kinds and we have commercial lines, we have benefits, we have personal lines. Um, I would say that overall, um, it depends because personal lines, again, I mean, actually all of them have such a variety. I mean, commercial, you could work on much bigger accounts of personal lines than if you were doing small commercial. Um, and sometimes, you know, we forget that. I mean, in fact, I would say yeah. that a high level personal lines is much more like middle market or larger commercial than small commercial. It's not even so close. true. Um, and so in fact, one of the things we'll hear out there is, oh, you guys don't like personal lines. No, we don't. It's not that we don't like personal lines. We don't like unprofitable accounts. Yeah. So there's a difference. And so it's not an anti-personal lines. It's, are you writing every single thing that walks into your door? Um, if the answer is yes, my guess is you're probably writing some unprofitable accounts. So we work uh, we work with all, all agencies of all different types. Um, we have some agencies that are probably 70 to 80 percent personal lines. Uh, we have some that don't do hardly any personal lines, if at all. So it, it does depend. Um, our things aren't all cookie cutter. But primarily, it's, it's, it's about working with profitable clients, regardless of what line it is. And so I guess that's more of our focus than just a line of business. If that, I hope that answers your question. But that Yeah, really no, no, happen. absolutely. That's yeah. great. That's great. Olivia, I'm going to throw it over to you. Throw it over to me. So you spend most of your time in Florida, which I'm a little, <laughs> a little jealous of as we yeah. sit in the a, a chilly Midwest climate. Um, but when you're doing those, it, I know you do more than the producer camps. Mm-hmm. So you know, what else is it that you're doing? But then when it comes to those producer camps, what are what are some key things that you're emphasizing uh, during those sessions? So um, outside of producer camps, we do uh, with our with our again, with with our, our private client community, we do um, stuff for the service team. We actually have an account manager program um, that we do online for account managers uh, and service teams. We do a CEO camp, which is for our leaders. So um, we'll do high level strategic planning with agency leaders. And then we do sales management. Those would be the four core things that we do. Leadership, sales leadership, uh, production and service, which kind of pretty much takes care of most of an agency. Um, we don't get a lot into, um, you know, even some of the like the technological stuff. We help people how to, you know, as far as are you implementing it, but that's not really our, our game. We don't get a lot into that stuff. Um, I would say the biggest thing, um, regardless, and, and this is something that's, you know, being part of Sitkins and working with Roger and the team and, and just my background too, is that I would say to change the external, you got to change the internal. And so when we work with teams and people, a lot of it, what I, what I find obviously most successful is you can come in and say, here's a cool, shiny process, but we focus a lot on personal and professional growth. What are you going to do to change and what are you going to commit to? So um, that's pro- probably a difference. And then your second question, which I just rambled, I forgot what it was, Olivia. It was... Oh, I, I actually just asked what it is that you emphasize during those producer camps. Gotcha. Yeah. And so producer camps, I mean, there, there are seven core strategies that we teach and coach around. Um, I, it's interesting. The very first uh, session that we have, we spend the majority of our time on what is your me ink back to personal development. What's your personal company as part of your agency? What does that look like? What does it need to be? We spend on how you're using your time, which is the only thing you can't get back. So most producers waste an abundance of time and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, And then we just spend on starting to talk about um, looking at the idea of 80-20 and obviously Landon, you've heard me talk about that, but just looking at your accounts, you know, what am I doing here? And that's kind of foundational to start to say, 
are there certain areas I need to focus on more? Are there certain areas I need to focus on less? Uh, are there team members that I need to start to communicate better with? Or do I need to find team members so that I can be able to do some of the things that I need to do? Because from the production camp, uh, camp, one of the things that we'll say is that you can't grow your business if you don't find the time to grow. Hmm. And that's where most producers get stuck. So that's a big part of our first session. Awesome. Man, there's so many things. I just, I, you know, you you always come, Brent, with just so many good um, good topics that jump up, especially in, in the realm of sales. Um, because for me, still, still very young in this business, I mean, getting into a, a solid sales process has been really what what I've been focusing on the last couple of years. Um, we primarily play in the, in the um, mid-size commercial and personal lines. So we're mm -hmm. about 60, 40. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we have, um, you know, we have a good mix of people. We, we sort of started going after some personal lines, um, some, some personal lines folks, because we wanted to sort of um, spread out the, the book a little bit. And so if we lost somebody or lost an account or whatever, we didn't have as, it didn't hurt as bad as some of the mid-size accounts would. Right. But I'm curious, you know, when you look at, I mean, all the travels that you've had and all the concerns that, that people that people bring to you, what is the what is the biggest hurdle that smaller, more traditional shops have with getting themselves into a, a process, a sales process, and a sales strategy for the agency? Boy, the number one. Uh, there, there are several, but let me, as I was thinking as you were asking that, there's one that kind of jumps off the page yeah. for me. And so here, here's what I'll share, um, is that this business, this industry, the model is really awesome. Mm. I mean, it just is. I mean, I think yeah. we talked about that at dinner a few weeks ago. I mean, yeah. I, I jokingly say that often from stage is that, you know, with your book of business, you could virtually do nothing with your clients. Like, I mean, nothing. Mm. And probably 80% keep doing business with you. Yep. Right. So, wow. Thank God for this business. Right. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty cool. And, and, and as you know, you do a little bit, you're probably close to 90%. And then it right. kind of goes from there. Um, so the biggest challenge that I see with agencies that are trying to take the next step, whatever that may be, whether you're a, a million dollar agency saying, man, you know, someday I'd like to be a two or three, or you're a three or four and you want to be a this, or again, depending on where you're at. Um, is the fact that I'm going to have to change not just my philosophy, but my actions, which is really, really hard to do. Um, I would say of all the things that I coach and work on is how do I get my team to change, right? Not just a specific process, but even the attitude behind the process. Mm. Because for most people, good is good enough. And, 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 and this is not even to try to be a slight. I don't judge people on it because I get it to a degree. Yeah. But for a lot of especially agencies out there all over the country, um, we said this in our producer camp. I mean, even for the semi-successful ones, how many are making more money than a lot of your family? And everybody kind of raises their hand. Now, how many are making more money than some of the friends you went to school with? You know, And then we jokingly say, how many are making more money than if you actually had a real job? And, and they kind of laugh. And they're like, you know, I'm just kind of I'm busy doing stuff. But yeah. I'm doing okay. You know, I've got a house. Not everybody's in this situation. I get it. But I've got a house. I've got enough money and I got the cars. I'm okay. So now you're telling me I got to kind of switch my mindset and my actions to do things differently. Hmm. Why would I want to do that? And I can't answer that for people. Um, yeah. It's got to be up to you. 
But I think, you know, the, the agencies we work with, the producers we had the most success with, this is not shocking. It's not about the money. It's about the challenge and it's about winning. It's about, you know, we, our entire focus um, around our camps are BVP, best version possible. N- not what Olivia's doing or not what Landon's doing. What's your best version? And right. um, again, pro- I, I'm sure I shared this from stage somewhere, but it's always impactful. Uh, when I heard a few years ago, it still knocks me down. It's the definition of hell on earth is when you get to the end of your life and you meet the person that you could have become. Mm. And it's like you can and, and and just to give you more backstory, I don't mean to ramble on on this, but uh, no, 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 you know, I, spent, no. I spent I spent 15 years in commercial lines production. So I jokingly say I'm a recovering insurance producer. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk to you about that. By the it, way. It's 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 in, like it's in my blood. I, I, I was in the game. Um, and the fair question I just address all the time is, well, then why do you why are you doing what you're doing now? Well, my, my first answer is easy. I love it. I, I, I've, I've just. You know, and part of this is, and I will tell you, I was not the world's best producer, never would be. Um, but I do have different skill sets in different ways that I understand a lot of the things around it. And I think yeah. I, can, I can communicate in a way that's going to help others get to their best version. And I remember as I was kind of having a very difficult decision of walking away from a very nice book of business, a very comfortable lifestyle. Um, I built up, you know, you're starting to build up retirement and your bank account. And you're starting to think yeah. ahead. And I've got five kiddos. Um, and I'm like, I don't, this is not for me what I need. There's something else. And I, I was kind of pursuing that. And I remember my uh, boss and he was a great guy. Um, but he said, Brent, you're going to give up all this that you can just kind of coast the rest of your career at this point and have a really great life. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, I'm like, I have to leave. Yeah. And so, wow. um, that was, you know, that's, my path. I, I was scared sharing that. Oh, I want to, but you know, it, it was, it was, and I screwed up. Once I left, I'll tell you one of the things that I learned very quickly was recurring revenue is a really cool thing. <laughs> um, I knew that, but I hadn't felt it until you leave it. And you go, wait a second. So now I've got to keep selling more stuff just to eat. Yeah. So anyway, I went yeah, all over well, the place there. No, you know, David Goggins talks about that in several of his interviews. I don't know. He talks about like meeting who, like getting that list of the things that you were supposed to achieve or accomplish. Mm-hmm. And, and you just didn't push to your potential or past what you thought your potential was. Like you, you put that lid on too soon. So yeah, that's interesting. I'm just like, I'm staring, I'm staring at my bookshelf and I was like, Oh yeah, there's, there's David yeah, Goggins. That's right a great there. book. The name of Goggins. That's a big deal right there. Great yeah. book. Great book. Yes. Great book. Yes. So, um, so yeah, so you, you made the decision, you made the leap left the agency side. So how did you arrive where you are now? Like what, what did that look like? What was that thought process? Um, well, what I'm doing right now, I wouldn't have um, any capacity. Imagine that I'd be working with, with Roger Sitkins and the team and kind of what we're creating and what we're doing. I, I, I didn't know. Um, I just knew that, that for me when I left. And so it, just to give you a little insight, um, I left. There was another company with a partner that I started. I was going to do some sales training around that, and that didn't really work out. And I realized that wasn't the right path. And I was, it's, it's, you know, one thing that I'll share with anybody. This is a side note, and, and I learned this um, in some ways the hard way because I mean, it's, it's been, it's been a lot of challenges. There certainly has not been like, oh, I left and everything was rosy, and like there were a lot of years my wife was like, okay, I agreed to do this. I don't know this was a good decision, right? And so mm-hmm. I had to face that as a dad, like, oh my gosh, like that I let down my family. 
Um, but um, I, I forgot where I was even going with some of that, but it, but it, it was like a very difficult um, decision. And when I did it, uh, again, I did it for the fact I had real conversations. Oh, I was going to say, someone told me after the fact, don't leave someplace, go someplace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, part of it, and I've had to be really honest with myself, um, and it's hard to do. You got to, you know, sometimes you get far enough away and go, okay, well, I can be a little more honest about some of the things, is the fact that um, I was just, you know, there, there were a lot of different things going on in that situation with my agency. And again, all good people, but just, I realized wasn't a good fit. I kind of get to where I was more worried about getting out than what I actually was going to do. Not that I'd have all the plans ready or I, I didn't know everything. I was like, okay, I'm going to go be a trainer, speaker, coach guy. That's what I'm going to yeah. go do. So I'm going to leave this. I'll figure it out. It'll all, it'll all work out. Well, it's been a challenge, but I will say this. Um, I was, there was dark days and tough times, but I just kind of kept doing what I best that I could do and, and learning and growing in the journey. And I always, you know, hear the thing. It's not about the goal. It's about the journey and what you learn in the process. And I think I start looking ahead or start thinking, I guess, looking ahead and thinking back. I met Roger Sitkins about two and a half years ago. Um, and part of what reason why we connected is because he saw some of the stuff I was doing online and some of my videos and said, this is intriguing. This might be a person that eventually could be very impactful for our organization. And so we started having conversations um, and it went from there. And the lesson I've learned throughout this process is surround yourself with really smart people and shut up and ask questions and listen. Yeah. And, um, you know, Roger's been doing what I'm doing now for 35 years. Yeah. Um, and he would be the first to say he's not perfect at it, but boy, he's had a lot of success in it too. And um, just kind of observing and watching. And, um, you know, part of it too is people will see me, whether it's uh, on stage or having a, or during a coaching call, in some cases, it's like, wow, you know, where did you get that? Well, I realized like, I don't know, 12 years ago, six years ago, four years ago. You know, I read a book two years ago. I listened to this. I had a conversation. So it just kind of keeps stacking. And it's the same thing with insurance professionals. It's just, right? It's just want to keep building that base. And my favorite thought of this is Dave Ramsey has a great one. If I don't hear, listen, Dave Ramsey, financial guy. Yeah. People always see me. They, they see me that I'm this guy, you know, and he's in, his, I think, late 60s now, standing on this mountaintop of success. Well, it's not a mountaintop of success. It's a mountaintop, mountaintop of poop. And, and and I'm just standing on it, right? I survived the end. I think that's, you yeah. know, I, I know it's not a very fun thought, <laughs> but it's true. No doubt. No doubt. Um, so I want to jump into, you know, you and I had this conversation a couple of weeks ago and um, we got into a little bit, but you had this experience where you were in a room, it might've been in one of your producer camps. I can't remember where it was, where, you know, you were surrounding yourself with, you know, producers that were somewhere in the half a million to some crazy million dollar number in revenue generation. Yeah. And, and you said there was definitely things mm-hmm. that you could see that separated them from maybe the pack. And so let's, let's go there. What's, uh, what's, what's going on with all that? I mean, I think like, you know, when people play this back, they're going to be like that, that this right here is the moment that, that we've all kind of waited for. I mean, I've been, I've been chomping at the bit to ask you about that. <laughs> so, um, and, and you kind of, you mentioned like, we didn't have any script for this, but that was something you want to talk about. And we talked about yeah. uh, a few weeks ago. So to give you a little background, uh, one of our programs, I didn't mention this to Olivia earlier. Uh, we started this year is called the elite 50. So we've had um, close to 500 people go through our producer camps in the last many years. And we basically, by special invite, uh, said, hey, we're going to create an elite group. Um, mm. It's by application only. 
Um, it's not for everybody, but those of you that want to be in the room with the best, consider this. And you know, there was a pretty hefty price tag to it. So people that were there not only are good, but they're committed. Um, and so it was and for me, I mean, yes, I participated, I shared some things, but for the most part, I did what I just said earlier. I said, how did you do this? What did you do here? How did that look yeah. like? And, and I just took notes, right? I mean, it's being in a room of really successful people. And it ranged from, uh, I mean, there were some there were some newer producers who had 150,000 in their first year of revenue. So it was pretty wow. impressive. But majority of them were about a half million to our top producer was three and a half million dollars in commission revenue, right? Just one person, uh, some, wow. some agencies like that, right? I mean, and so this is one person. And um, so, I'll put, I, I wrote down, there are a lot of lessons, but there are three that probably stood at the top. So I'll share all three yep. of them if the audience wants to hear that. Um, yep. The first thing that was really interesting of the best of the best is they realized, and I've already kind of stated this, they realized it always takes a team to win. And uh, at some point, this goes back to time, you run out of time. And mm -hmm. you have to take almost, I'm going to say a step back, but you almost have to kind of go in neutral for a while to say, okay. Most successful people don't always ask the question what, they ask who. So it's, it's, it's not just what do I have to do? What do I, what do, I do here? What do I do? No, it's who would be a person that could help me, mm -hmm. right? So that I could be in my best unique ability. The best salespeople, they're great salespeople. They're great relationships. They're great at pipelines. They're very yeah. consistent. But yeah. They realize that where most producers screw up is they have some of those skill sets but they spend 50, 60, 70, 80% of the time doing other things. Mm -hmm. than that. What are those other things? I mean, I think that's um, what I... So um, here's an example. I need a certificate. Uh, I have a question. Okay. Um, okay. So you you're know, talking general service work and handling service. things. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's service. Um, so when they're saying, you know, most of those people are asking who, who can help me. It's I've got a customer service representative, account manager, whoever it is in my office that's helping me do these things. And I am able to delegate yep. when that call comes in from somebody that I know well, that I, I took the time to get to know. I sold them. We have a really good relationship. And I say, John, I need you to talk to I need you to talk to Rhonda because Rhonda's going to be mm -hmm. your go to. She's better at this than I am. Yeah. So there's so many areas around that, right? Now, it depends yeah. on where you're at. Uh, you know, if you're sure. a smaller agency, the, you know, the first thing is, well, one of the, one of the first things is, is even if you have somebody, most producers don't do a very good job of educating their clients on their team. Ah, uh, good. Um, yeah. What they do is they have the Saku syndrome. And some of that comes from uh, ego. Some of that comes just because they feel like they want to be wanted. Saku stands for source of all knowledge in the universe. And okay. It usually sounds like this. Hey, Landon, this, thanks so much for being a client of mine. You know, I want to make sure that we are on top of everything that you need. I want to make sure we give you tremendous service. Here's my card. In fact, here's my mobile number. If you need anything, I mean anything, you make sure you give me a call, okay? And then we get frustrated while we're trying to proactively build our business and we're getting every single little call, email, text, right? And it's not that we don't want to take care of this client. Is if I were to say, hey, Landon, I want to make sure, and if we haven't talked about it, I want to make sure that you get the level of service you need. You know, and just like we're having a conversation right now, there are people that need us for our service. And mm -hmm. thank God, I have an incredible service team. Uh, in fact, Olivia, she's she's my top person. And so, you know, just like right now, we're having a conversation. There are people that are talking to Olivia. So, I want to give you a directory of my team. And by the way, my name's at the very bottom. 
right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and so it's just educating them from the beginning. You, you tell them what you want them to do, not because you're trying to avoid them. I think there's a, a series with especially producers when they get started is that if I give them to someone else, I'm not doing my job or I'm not providing the highest level of service or they're going to think less of me. No, they won't. They really won't. Um, yeah. We see it all the time. It's, it's a fear that's not real. Um, and by the way, if someone does, here's, here's, another, here's another test. If someone does think that you owe everybody their time, you don't want them as a client. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there's, so there's education part of that. And of course there's yeah. communication with your internal team. So if you have a team, it's here's, we're going to go together. Here's what this looks like. Go ahead. I think get a question. So, so the question is this, like, you know, I'm, we sort of, and we're still on number one here, so I don't want to, I don't want to lose our place, but you know, <laughs> one of the things that, one of the things that I think is interesting is that from my perception, perception, most um, agencies that have been around a long, a long time probably have this, this setup in the office where you've got producers, but then you have people that are hired to be in office, account managers and the customer service representatives. So it seems to me that, you know, number one is kind of the foundation that the whole industry sits on in that you've got your production force and you get your service force. Yep. It's that, it's that we don't, um, we don't adhere to our own rules the way we sort of have set this thing up. Is that kind of what you're, is that kind of what you're yeah. seeing out there? I mean, I think philosophically, most agencies would say we have a sales and a service team. Yeah. Right. right. Um, and, and I mean, to some degree it's true. Um, but I'll also tell you that if I walk in and again, every agency is different and we say, who do we work with? Well, we're going to work with outside producers, right? I mean, you got to be out there having conversations. Mm -hmm. um, but if you go on a Tuesday afternoon, where is a producer? It's probably in the office. Wednesday morning, where's the producer? Probably in the office. So, I mean, again, there's there's different appointments they're doing. Uh, what's interesting, too, is with the high-performance team, which is, you're right, is the foundation of things that we we teach and preach, is that even in our producer camps, we, we talk about it. It's, it's so funny, and I don't blame people. It's yeah. just funny to observe, is we'll talk about how much our service team gets interrupted with the flow they're trying to do. Yeah. And then the first break that we have after we talk about it, everyone picks up their smartphone. And I mean, they don't all do this, but you'll hear some of them be like, just be like hey, uh, Brent here, just checking in. What's checking going on? Need anything? Yeah. And they're like, we're good. Yep. You know, or whatever. Do you want me to say something? Like, I didn't really have anything planned. Like, we're, life's okay. Just stay away. Go do your thing. Um, and, 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 you know, and studies even show that every time you get interrupted, it takes about 23 minutes to get back to where you were. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the biggest things we see in agencies, there's a lack of respect for our time. And, mm -hmm. and you know, but, but that comes with equal things, because if you are going to allow your service team to do what they do best and not interrupt them, you have to do what you do best and be intentional around it. That's there, there's there's both ways. Sometimes producers yeah. hear this and go, oh, so I don't have to come to the office and they get to do all the work and I'm good. I'm like, no, no, no. Wait a second. Your responsibility is this. Your responsibility yeah. is results. Um, and I tell you, one of the, the most alarming questions I'll ask agency leaders is how many of your sales team hit your annual goals last year? And most of them, A, don't have them. And if mm. they do, they go, well, I think, or I don't know. And it's like, well, what are you trying to do here? So yeah. uh, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's a back, the, the, the foundational thing that we see with the best producers back to your initial question is they understand it requires a team and yeah. Um, and that takes, by the way, that's a process. We have agents that I've worked with for a year. We're still trying to like sort through some of that. What does it look yeah. like? Wow. Yeah. So really it's a matter of letting everybody do their job, building that, that uh, environment of trust between mm -hmm. team members, which I think 
whether that's the issue that's at hand, I feel like sometimes that's the message that gets sent and may, and maybe nobody in that interaction means it, but when somebody is like, assumes that they should just go in, like a producer assumes that they should go in and do something that the service person is supposed to doing, it can erode a relationship very quickly is kind of what I've seen. So I'm curious, cause I feel like we have this conversation um, and I've, I've heard it, you know, from other people as well as within our own organization. But when we bring agents in, there's sometimes this thought process that we're just going to teach them how to do everything so that if, you know, things fall apart or somebody's not available, they know how to like pitch in and, and get that certificate done. But then it kind of leads to this thing where they're like, oh, well, I'll just take, I'll just continue taking care of this stuff. Like, do you, do you, encounter that kind of thought process like that training pattern that maybe creates that system Mm. that's that's a great question um so there's there's different thoughts on that i i I hear you um you know you talk to like an agency leader and part of that when you're starting an organization you're going to wear more hats because you have to Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I always say to an agency leader is, you know, your goal is to figure out which hat you can keep taking off, right? Like, how do you, back to the who, like, how do you get to a position where I can now take this hat off and now I can take this hat off? So then I'm wearing a couple hats that I'm really good at and I love and I get the best return on my time and money, right? Um, with the producer, again, it depends on, there could be a lot of structures. I would just say this, I guess here's my, my initial thought when you were saying that, Olivia, is if we're figuring they should know everything and they're doing certificates, is that the goal long-term? Right. I mean, you know, like if you're saying, well, they'll do everything. So if they have to do a certificate, they can, I get that to a degree um, maybe, but my goal for a, a, a producer of anybody in an agency is I want to help coach you to do what ultimately you're going to do best. Um, and it's not certificates. Right. So I think to me, this is now again, this is probably going to offend a few people. I think some of it is it can be a cop out because we don't really know what or how to train them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll just have them learn and do everything. I can throw them here and throw them here and throw them there. Now, part of it might be, well, maybe we're just going to see where they stick. There could be different, you know, depending on where they're at and find out what they're really good at and make sure we put them in the right position. That could be, that would make more sense to me. But if I bring someone in to be an actual producer, and by the way, we always say the definition of a producer is one who produces. Producers then I want to do everything I can in my time to help them become a better producer. And I don't really have my, if, if I was running, I don't have the time or luxury to say, you spend some time figuring out how to do a certificate where I could be talking about an account that we lost, why we lost it or how I yeah. built a relationship here or to take yeah. you with me on an appointment or to go to a network event and, and show you some different areas of networking and some areas and talk you through a plan. That to me would be better use of time. So so just, emphasizing the right things right out the gate. Just, yeah, I just, yeah. I mean, I want them to to go someplace and I want to help them grow. I mean, yeah. even in our sales meetings, you know, most people that, that do sales meetings, um, which I think every agency should have sales meetings. The problem is most of them aren't very good. Um, <laughs> so, right. So they stop having yeah. them. It's like, well, mm-hmm. everybody gets there. It's like, okay, we complain about the company and then something else. And then we talk about whatever. And then we're like, okay, let's go. Um, to me, every interaction is an opportunity. It's like a sales meeting. It's like coaching one-on-one. When you leave that appointment, that meeting, whatever it is, I want you to be a better person than when you got there. Right. I mean, so in our sales meeting, I think we should practice doing some of the things we're going to do in the real world. 
I think, okay. I think we should mastermind around lost sales. What did you learn from that? What's the change you're going to make? That's learning. That's you get yeah. better. Not well. Did you know that the um the, the this carrier changed the commission from 13 to 11? Yeah, send me an email. <laughs> Got it. Right. Yeah. Um, now maybe what the impact is. I understand some of the things you got to talk about. That that's fine. You could have to spend some time doing that. But I'm kind of going all around your question. I just I'm one of those. I, I, my, my my mindset is leadership, and leadership is coaching. And I think it goes back to landing. You know, the high performance teams. One of the things that happens. It's not even just a Saku ego thing. It's that it's faster initially to solve the problem yourself. Yes. Right. If if my client has a question. Right. And I'm the producer and my service team isn't quite sure how to handle that. And that happens. Mm -hmm. Right. That's real world. Yep. Right? Absolutely. The easy thing is, oh, don't worry, Olivia or whoever it is. I'll call them back and take care of it. Yeah. Now, my service person has learned nothing about yep. that situation. Now, if I sat with her and said, join me on the call or one of the things that I always tell people, and this is a different situation is, Olivia, what would you what would your response be before I before I reply? allow you to think through it a little bit, right? To help you grow because it's going to take a little more time up front, but guess what? Two weeks, four weeks, two years, I have to worry about it. Yeah. My team knows. Yeah. So. Uh, fantastic. I feel like we could keep beating up on number one for a while. But, uh, are, we still, are we still on number one? We're still on number one, Brent. So uh, that'll be more meat out there. So what, uh, what was the second thing that you had uh, take away there from that? I just had number one. I don't have it. I'm just kidding. No, I got it. Um, <laughs> I was just pretending. To I was just pretending. <laughs> I figured we could at least go an hour on number one. So. Um, okay. Number two is something we talked about a little bit. Um, and, and I think producers do this in different ways. But number two, I went, I went through uh, the list of like, there was like in our group at that meeting, we had about 30 that attended that first session. Mm -hmm. uh, 29 out of 30 of these producers had some form of specialty or a niche. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that always seems to come up. And, you know, we, we talk about it at our initial camps and we don't, you know, no one has to do anything that we say, right? We don't force anybody. But it's one of those things where if you look at it, I mean, this the common analogy, who makes more money, a heart specialist yeah. or a family practitioner? And you've heard me talk about this. Well, the heart yeah. specialist, why? Well, because they have unique skill sets and knowledge that other people don't. And right. so it's not going to happen overnight. And people ask, well, how do I find a niche? Well, there's a lot of variables there. But ultimately, I want to start to figure out how to position myself that I am the expert in a certain area or areas. Did you see in that... In that specific part of the niches, I mean, did you see uh, – are people more niching in product-specific things or are they more niching in industry and then in, in, and then working in the whole vertical of insurance yeah. products? Yeah. You know, what makes the, what makes the niche? So um, it's a great question. The end, industry with commercial producers is always pr probably number one, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, and again, these are just some ideas. We I work with a very large broker. I mean, you would know the name, very large um, – and a lot of people wouldn't like them, but I learned a lot of how they do things. There's a reason why, like, like, well, big agencies are big for a reason. What do they do? Well, they figured some of this stuff out. Uh, and they actually had like a, you know, they don't follow this verbatim, but they looked at a 40-30-30 model. That in their perfect world, they would have 40% of their book of business in like the number one niche. 
then they would have 30% in niche two. And sometimes they're related, right? They may be tied together in some ways. And then 30% would be like general accounts, meaning that it's a good account that I want. It doesn't fit a niche, but I want to write it and it makes money and I'll do it, right? So yeah. getting some flexibility there. Um, it's not like you have to be 100% here and it's all or nothing. Um, and for younger producers, it's one of those things you got to figure it out for a while. Too. You might have four or five to start. I get that. But then you start to figure out, well, okay, this one makes more money. We have the right markets for this. I enjoy this more. There's more opportunity here. Um, all those kind of things you begin to look at. But it just comes back to just being an expert and and, and what you do in the area. And it's just, it's a difference maker. So is that the question you asked, by the way? I know I'm just really yeah. rambling. Fantastic. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, because you just hear it so often that, you know, like I, I hear some people say, well, you know, I niche in, you know, apartment complexes, Yeah. you know, and that's just, that's what they do. And I scratch my head and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but in like this area, there's really not that many, like, mm -hmm. what do you mean? I mean, is it, is, is that 40% of your book or is it just that that's a focus or yeah. are we lip service to it? You know, that sort of thing. Well, you got to be strategic. Cause I mean, part yeah. of it is, I mean, I jokingly say this, you know, when I was young in my twenties as a producer, I'm like, well, I should niche in bars. I love those. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and you realize, okay, and again, and some people do. Right, not, that liability. Yeah, man. I mean, some people do. But I was like, okay, obviously it's not for the right reasons. And there's not, yeah. they're kind of a pain in the butt. And they're not going to be enough. There's not going to be enough commission or opportunity, right? So part of it is looking at, okay, what are some of the areas that AI can, you know, it's not about just your passion. That's part of it. But what are some areas, you know, like we had a guy that did um, uh, trucking. And, and I mean, and he did it for a certain reason. Trucking has high rates. We had people that have done, I mean, we had one of the ladies. So does harbors. I mean, she does. Yeah, I was trying to come up with this earlier, but so a good example is like flood insurance. Yeah. Okay. So like, you know, can you successfully niche? I mean, I know some, some there's actually one person out here that's probably in our group that is 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 very successful in this in this area. But, you know, like that's a good that's a good um, example. Yeah. Flood insurance is just one product. Um, you know, do you see anybody that are that's successful in that type of area? Yeah, I we've seen uh, just to give you some examples. Fl I haven't seen flood as much. I suppose yeah. good. Uh, I've seen cyber. Actually, I did a lot of cyber before I cyber. before I left. Um, and again, it's certain areas of cyber, and then it gets you into different accounts, right? Because you're right. an expert in there. Uh, the the obvious one I see the most. We have agencies that do it is work comp. I mean, about one line of business. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. They have the right work comp tools. It's a pain for most business owners. They learn enough about it to ask questions. Um, and there's a lot of experience mod programs out there. So it's not just unique, but most people don't do it. And so you start talking to a business owner about a three-year plan and business owners care about profits and clients and employees. And you mentioned how that impacts them. They go, oh, now you have my attention versus mm -hmm. what? We have some really good rates on comp. Can I give you a quote? And, uh, you know, and that's typically what, what we see out there. So it can be by industry. It can be by line of coverage, certainly. Um, could even be by geography to a degree. Um, I came from um, an event, and that's probably been a month ago now at least, um, that was about personal lines. It was all private client, high net worth clients. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you some of these personal lines producers have way bigger book of business than a lot of commercial lines producers. Mm -hmm. um, and so their niche is high net worth. They understand how to insure those type of homes. Um, and you've got to get there. I would just say this too, and this is niche, and this is also kind of goes into the elite program I talked about. One of the things that I often say from stage that usually gets a, a head nod, I said, do you hope to get better every year in this business? And most people are like, yeah, I hope I get better. I mean, you should. I said, shouldn't your clients? Mm -hmm. And, you know, yes. Um, 
we one of the things, and you hear us talk about 8020, but I just had a producer I talked to this morning that owns the agency, is a producer and owns the agency. And his whole goal for last year was to get rid of about 60% of his book, like just hand it over. <laughs> and what a place to be. Well, yeah. but, but here's the thing it was 60% of the clients, it was only about 12% of his revenue. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he's not stupid. And I said, what would that mean if you could free up 60% of your time? He's like, I could work on the top 40 and just dominate those puppies. I'm good at it. I've gotten better at it. And so that's one of the sacrifices a lot of you know, most producers aren't willing to do. I, we have that all the time when we do camps. Like, well, I can't give up accounts. I put my blood, sweat, and tears in those. I'm like, I understand that. Um, but if you actually look at it, it doesn't make a lot of sense and you're stuck. Um, mm -hmm. so what I would say is, why don't you just try to write one of those? I'm not, I'm not even talking about jumbo. I'm talking like just nice, write One of those, it'd replace about 10 of those. Mm -hmm. So yep. you, you never, don't ever fall behind, just stay even. And then once you get those, you're going to have more time and continue to grow. So I know I got off the specialty or the niche thing, but that's just it's part no, of it. That's, no, this is, all. this is good stuff. So my thought has been when it comes to niche driven business and we've, we've had different things over the years, but um, my thought has always been, it's easier for a new producer coming into the industry to, to build that knowledge set and that expertise. If you give them a, you know, a specific thing to focus on, do you think there's any validity to that? It's been my argument for a long time and I, uh, I don't, but I don't, I don't do sales training either. So right. I'm like completely speaking outside of, uh, my school. So this is an interesting question because there's there's two 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 thoughts on this. Um, I'll ask you this. I, I, in fact, I, I do want to write something on this. I think it would be interesting from what I've learned in my 15 years of in sales experience is at, I'll be 42 in January. Okay. So I still consider myself fairly young, although that's rapidly you're, changing. You're young. Okay. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'll take it. But I thought if I started in January 1st, 2020 as a commercial producer, which I was, commercial lines producer, what would I do? Right, what would I do? I would absolutely find one or two niches and spend all of my time there. All of it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I would not write, and then this is me. I'm not saying personal lines are bad. I would not write small commercial and I would not write personal lines. Now, part of it say, well, you could do that because you've got experience in the industry. That's true. Um, but it would still be a learning process for me going back. But for a, a newer producer, and again, depends on your background, um, I would maybe just be careful. Like I, I would just say something, again, this is just my thought. Every situation is unique and different, but I would, I, I'm on your track, Olivia. I would start to talk about some of those areas very quickly um, of what they would be and where you have the greatest opportunity. And maybe in the midst of that, you're going to be learning some other stuff, you know, right. part of that. But I think what happens in many cases that producers come in, they should be excited and maybe they are. And they start off like, okay. And they start to work on anything and everything. And they grow to a decent size where they can feed themselves. And they, you know, maybe they even get validated at some point. But then it's like, now what? I've got chaos around me. Like I've got, I've got personal lines and commercial lines and a dog manufacturer and a trucking account and this and this and this and this and this. And I don't know where to go now. And so yeah. I, I would definitely look for some areas of specialization. I look at the best agencies. They're almost all specialized. Yeah. So. Fantastic. That's number two. Yeah. Hey, one other thing on this, though, I, I just was thinking of, um, of North Carolina. And so um, who was I talking to? Was it? Um, oh, oh, shoot. It was Josh. Uh, I still don't want to call him out, but. Um, Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
All right. <laughs> so I want to share this because he actually left me. So, that, that's, so it's funny because we were talking about niches. I want to bring this up because he's thinking, he's like, you know, this makes sense. I should do this. And I was asking him some things that he wanted to do. And he was talking about vets, right? Mm-hmm. I said, great. Okay. I said, you looked at it. Well, yeah, this and this. I'm thinking too that I could write, you know, if I wrote the vet, I could write the home and auto of the vet owner and, and those people, and maybe even some of their clients. And then I could write um, the pet insurance too. I thought, that's great. That yeah. makes sense, right? That's kind of putting together. So then I sat there and I said, well, let me, let me ask you a question. I said, you're, you're kind of going down the chain, right? What if you went up? Because what do you mean? I said, well, who supplies the food? Who supplies the uh, equipment to the vet office? Oh, good mm-hmm. question. I said, maybe you could look at, you know, pet manufacturing equipment above it, right? Maybe you could look at supply chains above it. And he's like, oh. And so I think part of that from a production is we don't even think about it. We always right. kind of limit ourselves versus going, wait a second. If I write a vet, who, who are the people above them that I could get into? And so it's just a mindset thing, I think, in a lot of cases. Yeah. And it's like, how do well, yes, uh, except for like, how do you even? So like, okay, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So, well, like, I don't even know. How to do You're trying to figure yeah, out. Yeah. So, like, let's, let's say, uh, the, uh, what's, the, what's the name of a good dog food company, Olivia? Is it, yeah, perfect. Blue Buffalo. Blue Buffalo. Here we go. So, like, let's say, okay. Feed my dog. How do you even start there, Brent? I mean, because, like, as, like, we are sort of self limiting, I mean, in our own mind, because we're like, okay, what I understand right now. And what puts food on the table right now is these things I understand, which is like you very, I was perfect down the funnel versus up. I mean, it's a networking thing. It's a connections thing. It's a, where do we, where do we begin with that relationship? So, I mean, it's a, it's a fair question. And by the way, Purina would probably be a tough one to go get, right? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty pretty large company. They probably have some stuff in place. I get that. So, so here's, I mean, just, just it, it, again, I'm just going to use an example, put myself in that play. I mean, if I'm there and I, let's say I write a number of vet offices. So I do have some, um, you know, I've, I've got some relationships there. I've got some expertise, understand that I like the industry, all that kind of stuff. Well, sure. okay. Hey, hey, Mr. Vet, uh, Mrs. Vet, where, where do you go for your, I mean, they have, they have events just like we do in the insurance space. Yeah. Right. What's the next big trade show? Who's there? Right. I mean, and you just start asking questions around it. You would be amazed. We look at like just the Purina. If you go to a vet show, they probably have 87 vendors plus of different things that are all around the idea of pet care, pet food, pet service. I don't care what it is. I'm just saying that's going to be your niche. There are a number of options. And then you start having conversations. And then I would, again, this is just me. Now I like to speak and train, but here's something I had a, um, Give you one example of this too. I know we're spending time on specialization. It's important. We had one of our clients who recently sold a year ago, uh, and he was in his early 60s, and he sold, I'll just say this, very, 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 very successfully. Okay. Mm. Um, at one point, he was able to, he had uh, two offices, they had about 50 employees, um, and he was two and a half million dollars in revenue. In a period of time, he doubled his revenue. He went from two offices to one, and his employees shrunk by about forty percent. Not because he fired them; it just it, it was long play, right? And his entire specialization was nonprofits. That's what he did. And he shared at one of our events uh, to the entire group just kind of ideas and philosophies and how you continue to grow and learn. Like you don't write the biggest nonprofit on day one, but you start to learn how they're thinking. What are they thinking? What are their biggest needs? 
And he said, then I went to start to speak at their events, right? It's kind of one of a trusted advisor. And he goes, then I realized the best thing to do is not to speak, although that's good. What's really great is to be a facilitator on a panel. Mm-hmm. So then I bring up a nonprofit, you know, an attorney or whatever it is, certain experts, and I facilitate the whole thing. So I lead this. People watch. Guess who they talk to for expertise? Me. And it's just, it's all about how do I begin? And this is a long process in a niche, but how do I begin to position myself in the place that I have the best chance to win? That's yeah. really what it gets down to. Fantastic. Yeah, that's great. Are you ready for number three now? I am chomping oh, at the bit. I'm excited. I mean, we are, we are, I'm ready. Let's go. Hit, hit. We're almost out of time. So, uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> one of the things that I've been uh, guilty of is I like to pontificate. So I apologize. For we that. all do. Um, <laughs> so, the last one I have, and this is kind of broad sense, but the, the three and a half million dollar revenue producer. So, I got a chance to talk to him a little bit. And I said, what's, the, and I always ask the one thing question. I love it. It puts people who have to give me an answer. What's the one thing above all else? That you would tell another producer of of you know how you would how you got to this level, and he said, "I've never seen myself as an insurance agent." And I said, "Okay, explain." He goes, "I have always in my mind since I started my track, I am always a business consultant." Mm. And he goes, "I know that's mindset stuff, but it's huge because from the very beginning of time when I've started to make this ascent." I realize people don't need me for my quotes. They need me for my advice. And most producers never position themselves that way. They try to. They kind of say they do. They give it lip service. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and again, he's business insurance. So I know it'd be different from personal lines. But as we even talk about in our camps, there's really three things that clients care about in the business side of things. We can talk about personal lines. But in business, whether it's benefits or commercial lines, they care about their profits. They care about their employees. And they care about their clients. And so when you begin to ask questions around that, he goes, insurance just became my mode of how I would actually serve them. But I would walk in and just ask everything about their business. It actually goes back to specialization. People don't, yeah. care, people don't care that you know about insurance. People don't care that your carrier had a new endorsement that's shiny. They don't. They, could, they, they don't care. You care as a producer because yeah. it looks cool. Like, oh, we got this new cyber endorsement. You know what they care about? Their business. Now, how that endorsement may apply to their business long-term may they may care about. But if I came in and said, hey, Landon, I got to tell you about this new cyber endorsement we have. This is really cool. Yeah. You know. That's fantastic. No, it reminds me. I mean, one of the niches that we work on is um, group homes. It's one of the ones that we yeah. that we deal with. And I, you telling that story brings up a, a really a really unique story that I had. Not really that unique, but it was it speaks to what you're saying. Um, the business owner had been with this this one insurance agency a very long time, um, and they reached out to me through someone that I wrote previous. So it was referral based. But then when I went and talked with them. You know, I, I asked a bunch of questions about the business, what they're doing, where they're headed and all that kind of stuff. And I had I had a few questions about their current insurance plan. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it's adequate? Do you feel like it's servicing you well? And man, she went on a tear about how I have not been offered anything since day one. Mm-hmm. I have no idea if my business is still insured correctly because no one tells me. I just sign the papers every year and move on. And this is not a small account. Yeah. I mean, yeah. up until this past year, this is probably the largest account I've written. Um, and so I said, well, let me look at it, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, I, I come to her and I added EPLI insurance. I added flood insurance for her property. And she said, well, at least he's adding something. And she ended up writing and she, she, we probably bound 
an extra 10, I think it was 15,000 in premium um, mm-hmm. to her, to her account, just because we, we offered the stuff that she needed. Yeah. It's, I go ahead. I mean, you know, I was just going to say, I mean, it's just, it's just listen, taking the time to listen to people and, and positioning yourself to say, Hey, this, Hey, EPLI insurance is going to be because, Oh, you're talking about someone um, that might file a lawsuit because of X, Y, Z that you, you said you've done in the past. Is, is that, is that occurring now or is it in the past? You said, Oh, this was probably 10 years ago. Like, well, this is how you protect against that, yeah. you know, and, and you, you sort of show her that. Yeah. Um, you just reminded me at one of our, our camps, I had a guy, um, we were kind of going through part of this process. One of the things I think the best agents and producers moving forward, are, they're great storytellers. They understand it's about telling a story, right? Yeah. And we always know facts tell, stories sell. We've heard that for years, but how do you do it? And so uh, he gave a quick example of how he was trying to get his client, and I was one that he currently had, but trying to get his client to buy cyber insurance. And he knew it was important. I mean, it was like obvious. Well, they never bought it. And guess what? They had a huge cyber claim. Uh, I think it ended up being like about $350,000 that the company paid out out of pocket that he could have protected, mm-hmm. right? And so we got done with it and he was kind of sharing that. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, do you now have a story that others would listen to? And he goes, oh my God, yeah. And so oftentimes what would happen is, and again, this is just a quick thought process is you'd come in and say, you know, Landon, one of the things that we've seen really important for businesses like yours is cyber liability protection, right? right? And I start telling you why it's important and the different stuff that we're going to do and the limits and all that. And maybe even say, do you have it, right? Whereas if I came in and said something like, you know, Lana, tell me currently uh, how your current cyber protection is structured. Be like, what? Yeah. Right. I mean, or, or it could be anything from how is your current annual risk review conducted? Or I could ask all these type of questions. I don't want to attack someone. I just want to ask questions around to get you to think. And if let's say for cyber, you would say, I, I don't really know. And I say, you know, it's interesting. Um, recently working with a, a business owner, similar to year, and you tell the story. Mm-hmm. And now again, you got to collect stories. That's one of the things too, is you got to collect stories. That's why having team meetings and working with groups is great. Cause I always tell people they don't have to be yours. They just have to be yeah. real. Yeah. Right. Steal. And people will lean in. They'll be like, what? I never heard yeah. that before. And now you've got their attention. Now you can offer stuff. And by the way, Landon, you said that was one of your biggest accounts last year. Yeah. You should do more of those. I should. You're right. I should. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I didn't know what I needed. Hey, was, I need the advice is free here today, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah, I need to look up at their suppliers and see who's supplying what they need. You know, that's all good. That's good. Well, Brett, man, number three. Let me just make sure we we uh, we categorize it correctly. Position yourself as the consultant. Was that was that a fair? Um, subject line for number yeah, three. Yeah, yeah. I would just say, yeah, right. Actually, what I put on here on my notes was the best don't quote. Ah, okay. But yeah. but yeah, it's position as a business consultant, not a quoting, not, not a quoter and floater as a term we like to Got use. It. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Well, we are pretty much out of time. Just like that. We could go for Olivia, another hour. How we, how we do? I mean, I feel like these are just. These are just rolling, man. We're 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 uh, we're able to get through these things and bring a lot of value. It's, it's all good stuff. It's fun. I still had I still had my notes from when we were in Florida. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that I read all the time. That's I try right. and I try and fill in all the acronyms. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> what's tp i missed an e oh tp yeah it's t-e-p-e it's uh time energy problems employees and expenses 
employees. So how did I miss employees? I don't know. But we look at 8020 and that's what we figure. We look at agencies and look from the outside and we see that 70% of their time, their energy, their problems, their employees, and their expenses go to clients that produce maybe 20% of the revenue. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Perfect. Okay. I'm gonna gonna wrap up with two questions. Okay. Yeah. I'll be fast, I guess. These are these are quick and easy ones because right. well I guess they maybe aren't but do you prefer audiobooks or actual book books like are you a reader or a listener? Or a um, I my quick answer I prefer to read them. Okay. I like to listen and then if it's one I really like then I'll buy the book and read it and take notes and highlight it. Okay, oh, good plan. I always do it the other way. I need maybe I need to reverse my process. You can pick, you can pick audio audible at one point five speed so it flips through it quick. Yeah. I don't I'm waste my to time. Start doing that because I'm not gonna. There's a, I have too many books on there already. What was the last book you read? Good, good question because I read too many at one time. Um, Me too. <laughs> um, oh, I'm trying to think of one I just finished. Um, I'm probably gonna be all. Let's see. What was the last one? Actually, to be honest, the last book I read was 80-20 Rule um, by Richard Koch, which of course I was preparing for stuff. But hold on, can I give you one of my favorite books? Yes, sure. Yes. Um, the Road Less Stupid is my favorite books ever. Oh, do I, have that? I think I have that written down. And no one knows about that book. That's why I like to share it. <laughs> the Road Less Stupid. Still, still on my list. Consider it written down. I did not have that on my He's list. He's Cunningham. And by the way, last thing on this, if you do want an audio book, it's always better when it's read by the author, right? And Absolutely. this guy, this guy is worth the audio book and the book. Um, the audiobook, he's a he's I think he's a Texas guy and he's got this slow draw. He talks <laughs> like this. And it gets to the end of each chapter. And he and so part of the whole book is there's like different areas of thinking about your business critically. It's really good. And then he'll say, you know, does your business do this? If your business would talk, what would it say? And then he'll get to the end and he'll just go, now go think. You'll thank me later. That's the end of each chapter. <laughs> That's yeah. the best part. You're like, oh, that's good. That's good. Hey, I think uh, impersonations is another uh, thing you should uh, you should go after, Brent. Yes. I think you're excellent at that. Acronyms, impersonations. I love it. Brent, where do they connect with you? Where do you like to hang out? Uh, my favorite social media place is LinkedIn. So yeah. just go to LinkedIn and find me, Brent Kelly. Um, if you want to look at our Sitkin stuff, just go to sitkins.com. It's S-I-T-K-I-N-S.com and all of our stuff's there. And his podcast. Oh, my podcast. I should. Yeah, yeah I forgot. I just recorded uh, the Agent Leader podcast. The Agent okay. Leader podcast. Check that out. Yeah. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, Brent, thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate it. Yes, thank thank you. you so much. All right. See you guys. Bye-bye. See you.